again. What a great song, David. And guys, you got to know that truth that it's because he's alive today that we have hope today, tomorrow, every single day that we get up. We've got hope. Guys, uh, I want to say thank you. Uh, it has been an absolute joy to be here at Hopewell this week. And uh, I hadn't accepted an invitation to go preach any place really outside of Bartow County for three years. But when Barry called me, and it was because of his heart. Now, he and I got together here, but we kind of bumping each other. And because of his heart for God, it was like, you know what? I just sensed that I was supposed to come. And y'all have no idea how much you've blessed me. It's been a time of renewing and refreshing for me. Just uh, a number of different ways. One, Barry getting to hang out with you. It's, uh, and Laura, you know. Now, my wife's just the opposite of Laura, y'all. My wife's incredibly calm, doesn't talk much. Her greatest fear in life is that somebody's going to call on her to stand up and speak. She's way more like Barry, Mr. Steady. I mean, she's Miss Steady. But uh, Barry, it's been a joy to hang out with you. And uh, guys, let me, let me just encourage you. Thank you for the prayer team that prayed because very seldom that I've done one of these things do I ever get cards. And y'all, I knew that I was prayed for, everybody was prayed for, and it's made a difference. And so I just want to say, hey, bless you and thank you. The other thing I would say, Hope Wolf, as a guy that gets to go around to all these different churches, and so I, Bartow Baptist Association, but then we've got all these other churches that uh, Methodist churches, all kinds of different churches, non-denominational churches that I work with. Y'all have no idea how good a spirit you've got in here. I go in churches, and when you go in a church, Pastor, when, when you're used to coming to the same place, you, you don't know. But when you walk in a church, you can feel. You can feel what the climate and the temperature is. And when I walked in here, I was like, you know what? These people actually have been loving Jesus and loving each other for a while. Now, that doesn't mean you're perfect, but it means that God's doing something special here. My life, I thought I'd go to one church First Baptist up and stay there for the rest of my life. God didn't have that plan, but, uh, man, I celebrate with you, hopeful that God has left this guy and his wife here for all these years. What a, what a blessing that is because we're seeing it even more now that uh, long-term ministry is having greater and greater impact. So, guys, I, I'm doing something, and I'm making it up as I go. And all I did, if this is your first night, all I've done is what God's been doing in me and a guy introduced me to a way to pray through the Lord's Prayer. And so I started giving some stuff out, and I'd write it in the hotel, and Barry was kind enough to run it off. And so since we won't get through the whole Lord's Prayer, if I tried, it would be too rushed, it would be too pressed. So what I did was I just kind of typed out a few notes so that you can take it and go through the rest of the Lord's Prayer and stuff like that. And so if this is your first night, just know the first verse, our Father which art in heaven, we talked about adoration. The second one, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's alignment, my life aligned with him. Last night we did give us this day our daily bread. Tonight we're going to do the next one, but before we do that we're going to do something kind of strange because I won't be able to get to this. One of the strange things about the Lord's Prayer First word in the Lord's Prayer is what? Our. 
It's plural. Matter of fact, nine times plural is used. It never mentions, it doesn't say, my daddy, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is. Give me this day my daily bread and forgive me. No, it's a plural thing, okay? That's why God created us to be a body, to be a family. And we're going to have to lean on each other even more in the days ahead than we've ever dreamed about in America. One of the things I've seen as you go overseas, especially where persecution abounds, the church leans on each other in an unusual way. So praying for each other and with each other is absolutely essential. So tonight, if it's your first night, we've been doing some kind of strange things because we voted that I would talk less and give people the opportunity to talk some, okay? So here's what we're going to do. In just a moment, we're going to break up into groups of no more than three. You can do two. You can do three. And you're going to answer this question. Something that God, a prayer that God has answered for you this year or something you're asking God to answer. Once again, don't go back 20 20 years, okay? I want something that's more current. So, So let me tell you, today I had a cool thing happen, okay? guy that I've connected with over in op at First Baptist, he, uh, he called and I was on the phone and he called back and I didn't realize, I didn't know the number. I said, okay, somebody's trying to get me. I was actually talking to my wife. I said, look, I need to go take this. And this guy told me, he said, David, one of the guys that you really were intentional about trying to win to Christ, he actually works in Andalusia. And I've talked with him and he thinks the world of you. Now he's You know, sometimes lost people just don't have a good head on their shoulders, okay? He said, you know, if you get a chance, you ought to drop by and see him. He's in a sales position. And so before I went to lunch today, I mean, I was just like, okay, if God put that on his heart, I just kind of prayed, Lord, do I need to, I got phone calls I need to make. Do I need to go? And it was just like, God was like, yeah. And so I told this guy, I said, look, let's join together in prayer. And here was a simple prayer. That when I walk in, nobody's there, no distractions, and I get to have a conversation with this man. And so I go walking in, never been in this place, walk in, different salesmen, Nobody's in the whole place that I see except for all of a sudden this man steps out. He looks at me. He doesn't recognize me. Nobody recognizes me because my hair's turned (laughs) a different color. But when I said something, he looked at me. We hugged each other. That wasn't our normal relationship, but I'm telling you, guys, we had a good Jesus conversation. And so I just like, okay, it's amazing when two believers get together and pray. And so what I want you to do is right now stand up and each person, if you're to, don't go, don't go forward because every person gets one minute to share one thing that God has answered or something. Guys, I want to thank y'all. Y'all have been great about sharing and I know that's not the normal thing, but I'm telling you, guys, just think about this. Is it not good to hear about somebody else an answered prayer? Is that not encouraging? You know, Guys, I'm telling you, in a culture when anxiety and depression seem to be flourishing because hope and things like that, when you get together and share, I'm telling you, hope arises when you hear about something that God has done. 
So, guys, I'm going to tell you one illustration, then we'll kind of get to the passage, okay? This idea of our Father and forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us and lead us not into temptation. So where I live in Bartow County, Georgia, there's 110,000 people. God has had us do some really weird things. But the very first thing that he had us do was really get serious about prayer, put the call out to prayer, to the ministers, and a whole bunch of stuff. And we've been trying to figure out how in the world to become the most prayed for place in America. And so God told us to do something really, really strange, okay? And you got to understand, I, I do things that I've never done before. And it's just like, Lord, okay, that's it. But uh, leading in the National Day of Prayer, we sensed, the, we sensed the thing that we were supposed to read the Bible out loud into a microphone in every single town in Bartow County that had a mayor and one for the county. So that's seven towns and then one for the county. So we met on Sunday night in all these big worship services and marched out from that church, from whatever church it was in the town, like in Taylorsville or Daresville, marched to the place, had a microphone, and started reading in Genesis 1-1 out loud. There's something powerful about the Word of God, guys. I can't explain it. I just know there's some kind of power in the Word of God because we saw some unusual things happen. But we're praying. I mean, we're reading the Bible. and Storms were over in Alabama. And if there's a storm in Alabama, it always comes to northwest Georgia. Okay, we've got some kind of magnet. And at 11 o'clock, the nightly news, we were watching tornadoes in Alabama and stuff and the nightly news 11 o'clock, the lead story, they said, y'all watch out. Tornadoes coming out of Alabama. And they specifically said, it's headed your way, Bartow County, watch out. So what do you do? Because I'm telling you, I'm not a good enough prayer to take that assignment on by myself. We've got over 500 intercessors. Across our community, we sent the word out, pray. We got to pray. At 11.16, the weatherman came back on, and here's what he said. He said, God, we've never seen anything like this. That tornado's that whole bad storm coming out of Alabama. It got right to Bartow County and split in two and went around the county it was like there was some kind of force there that just caused that thing to split. And then it kind of formed back, but it didn't form back very strong. The next night, the exact same thing happened, and this time it came back on, 11 o'clock, same thing. Y'all watch out, here they come again. They're headed for y'all, Cartersville, Bartow County. Guy came back on the next night. He said, this is the craziest thing. It got right to the county line of Bartow and just died. Y'all are looking at me like you don't believe that. I'm telling you, I got pictures at my office of the radar tracking thing. And that night when it was supposed to be raining, storming, you can't read the Bible in a storm. When it was nice and peaceful, at 3 a.m. in the morning, a lady got off work and she was driving past the courthouse where we were reading for the county, 
and she had the windows down because it wasn't raining, and she heard the Word of God being read, got out of her car, walked over there, and listened to the Word of God being read for about 45 minutes and got saved. And I tell you all that, Hopewell, because I think you all got a chance to say, let's press in and lean into God. It's a corporate prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven. I'm telling you, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can conceive what God has in store for a group of people that will give him no rest, give him no rest, night and day give him no rest, and cry out to him, I promise you, God will do things that you can't ever imagine. So let's look at this passage of Scripture. Guys, I wrote this thing out, and I'm telling you, if you got it, just look at the first one on adoration, okay? I've never done this before. I just have used the outline that just says adoration, alignment, stuff. But I kind of wrote out some stuff. But, but also, like, what are some, like, I wrote out Psalm 145 because that's one of my favorite psalms to just adore God with. And I left a blank for you to do it. But, like, the song, and, and guys, God just keeps giving me songs. I can't sing worth a flip, but I like music. One of the songs that I'm listening to right now, Overwhelmed by Big Daddy Weave. If you, I got it. Listen, I go to YouTube, and I got all these songs. I mean, I didn't list all of them, but, but I'm telling you, if you'll use this and put some scriptures down, your own, and songs that just touch your heart. And so I kind of did that all the way through. And, uh, but anyway, t tonight we're looking at number four because the passage is very simply this. Verse 12. Forgive us of our debts as we forgive those as we forgive our debtors. I think the King James, forgive us of our transgressions as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. Guys, let, let me just, my whole thing is I keep talking to people that are struggling, Christians, even they've been Christians and strong for years and years. There's something about the culture right now. There is a darkness that is coming over America and how do we flourish? How do we absolutely flourish? I'm telling you, a personal walk with God on a daily basis where you know him intimately and you're growing, that vibrancy, I'm telling you, if you'll do that, you will absolutely face every trial that comes your way and it won't rob your joy, it won't rob your hope. Matter of fact, when you face a trial and God and his grace and mercy gives you daily bread. It actually builds your faith, and you get used by God, and I'm telling you, life gets better and better and better. And I just shared with you my personal testimony over the last stretch. But let me talk with you what is maybe the single greatest hindrance on a daily basis. Father, forgive us of our debts. Translated, forgive us of our sins. Now, guys, let me just be real personal with you, okay? The most offensive word in America right now is the word sin. Because people have tried to make it where there's no such thing as sin. Every man does what's right in his own eyes. You ought to go out and do evangelism and start with, Holt, you need to get right with God. You're full of sin. And the average person looks at you like, what's that? I'm telling you a bunch of people. Guys, we serve, remember, remember the number one word used in the Bible for God is what? Holy. 
God is absolutely perfect, and anything less than being just like God is called sin. And the great problem that we've got with all of us is this fact that we're not like God. And if we don't, there's a great witnessing technique by Ray Comfort to just help people get engaged in conversations with people and say, look, okay, you, you don't think you're a sinner, but like, okay, the Ten Commandments, you've ever heard this? And people are like, some of them are like, yeah. Well, have you ever, have you ever stolen anything? First of all, like, have you ever stolen anything when you are a kid, like a pencil or a piece of candy? And they're like, well, yeah. And it goes through, and finally the person says, well, I guess I am a sinner. Y'all, sin is way more serious than we realize. How serious is sin? Let me tell you how serious sin is, okay? The reason that we walk through Sunday night, the whole thing about the cross, that's how serious sin was. It took Jesus' suffering on the cross to pay the penalty for sin. And even if you've been saved like I have for a long time, sin still matters. It matters to God. Now, there's only one solution for sin. Somebody help me. What is it? Repent. And y'all, that's a dirty word. That is a dirty word in America today. But that is one of my favorite biblical words because the only way that I ever got right with God was with repentance. I'm telling you, I love the idea that there's a God in heaven who created me, who loves me, who I get to, when I mess up, ask for forgiveness, and he washes my sin white as snow, and my relationship with him is just like it's supposed to be. I love repentance. And unfortunately, I'm too good at it because I keep falling backwards sometimes. But I'm telling you guys, daily personal repentance is absolutely essential for you to flourish. Now, I know a bunch of y'all already know that. You're like, I can't believe I came for him to say that tonight. No, I came to remind you of some of, some of you of that, but especially all you teenagers that have grown up in a culture that that's a, I guarantee you, you won't hear this on TikTok, Instagram. You won't hear it any place out there where people are saying, Listen, if you want to absolutely walk with God in intimacy and have love and joy and hope abound, you got to be a serious repenter. Now, let me, let me just say it like this, okay? Paul said it like this. I repented when I got saved. I'm a re I repented. But, but I'm today a repenter. There's not a day that goes by that I don't say, God, reveal to me where I have gotten out of alignment ever so slightly. And guys, if you want to live fresh and clean and close with God, that's got to be part of the daily routine. You can get up and read your Bible and all that kind of stuff, but, but if you don't deal with, with, with when you don't do it exactly like God wants you to, and the Bible's right, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So, this morning, when I got back to the room, I had to talk to my wife about a bunch of stuff and all this kind of stuff, and I fell asleep on myself last night. Usually, when I crawl in bed at night, there's two things that I do. One of them is I always say, God, let's think about the things that I need to be grateful for today and what you've done. But I also say this, God, is there anything that I missed today 
with your Holy Spirit, who is your best friend about convicting of sin. Did, did I miss anything? What do I need to repent of? And the truth is, I fell asleep before I finished that process last night. So this morning, the very first thing when I woke up, boom, God brings it to my mind, something that I said last night to somebody here from Op, and God says, you shouldn't have said that. David, you said you want to do exactly encourage people. You want to edify. You used your tongue to be funny, but you didn't use it to build up. And so before I came tonight, you know what I had to do, guys? I went and found that guy. I repented to God, but then I went and found that guy and said, Brother, please forgive me. And he looked at me for what? And I told him, and he said, Oh, man, you were just being funny. And I said, No. If it was important enough to God to convict me of it, that meant God was offended. And you know, I mean, here I am at 62. This guy's in his 30s. Barry, it's not fun when you have to go to ask somebody younger, is it? No. But I'm telling you guys, listen, if you're going to live with joy and peace and hope, daily repentance is absolutely essential. I mean, it's just, it just is. I mean, that's who God is. God's holy and perfect. And, and I want to live that way. I want to honor him. I mean, you look at the Lord's Prayer, but, but it's really this. When I start looking up and I get a vision of God in all of his majesty and glory, and, and I see him for who he is, I want to be close and clean and walk with him, and I don't want to do anything to dishonor him because he's the one that loved me enough to save me, sent his son. And so, man, you know, there's this song about run to the Father. I'm telling you, running to the Father, even when you know you sin and repent, and he throws his arms around you and says, I, I love you, David. I've done some personality profiles and all this kind of stuff, and I come out the same time every time, and I got, there's one that somebody did with biblical characters. And every time I come out, I'm not a Barnabas. No, I'm a Peter. I'm that guy that just messed up. I was a prodigal. But there's one, I'm telling you, when I get to heaven, I want to see the replay of creation. I want to see the replay of the resurrection. But there's a third thing that I want to see. How did old Peter go from denying Christ and going out and weeping bitterly to all of a sudden standing up and preaching on the day of Pentecost and being that guy that God used? There was a special resurrection encounter. On the day that Jesus rose, he appeared to, who's the first people he appeared to? The ladies. Ladies, don't ever let anybody tell you that you aren't important to God. The first people that Jesus appeared to were, were the ladies. You got to pat yourself. If you're sitting next to a woman, reach over and just pat her on the back and say, hey, you're special. <laughs> but you know, the disciples were confused. Now listen, all of us, if we'd have been there, Jesus told them he was going to be raised from the dead. If we'd have been there, we'd have been sitting outside. We'd have set up. We'd have had a campfire. We'd have been ready. We'd have been there. I guarantee you. We'd have been there. We wouldn't hold. Yeah, sure. I'm glad you're honest, man. See, you saved yourself from having to repent, you know. 
So those two guys walking on the road to Emmaus, Jesus revealed himself, and they ran all the way back. They ran all the way back, and they get there, and it's night, and they run in, and they say to the disciples, Jesus is alive. We've seen him. And one little phrase in Luke, here's what they said. We know he appeared to Peter. The guys, that's the only little time. That, that's all we know. But whatever Jesus said to Peter that day, Peter turned into a guy that stood up. And I think I know a little bit about something like that. Because when you've been an idiot like I was for five years, to run back, I want to know what he said. But I think it was something like this. I think Peter saw Jesus and he fell down and wept. In front of Jesus, he said, I'm so sorry. And I think Jesus picked him up. I don't think he picked him up by under his arms. I think he picked him up by his two hands on either side here and picked him up and looked him in the eye and said, Peter, I got this. It's good. I know, I know, but, but listen, I settled it on the cross. You're forgiven, brother. You're forgiven. And I think Jesus wrapped both arms around him and loved him in a way that he had never experienced. And that gave him the unction to go be Peter. But let me just say this. I see a lot of people that when they say, Father, forgive me, they don't really embrace forgiveness. And you may be here tonight, and you did something a long time ago, and you've not been able to forgive yourself. I mentioned it the other night. I'm telling you, don't trample underfoot the cross of Jesus Christ and not receive a God who loves you so much that he forgives you when you ask him to. And when you've been forgiven, then go walk that way. I'm telling you, go walk with joy. But that's just the first of it because Jesus knew all of us are going to have to have time that we've got to repent. So be a daily repenter. I am a saved repenter because I repent daily. And I wish I could tell you I didn't have to be so good at it, but I still practice it all the time. But then it says, Father, just as you have forgiven us, forgive us as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Now, guys, this is where it starts getting messy. Watch this. Y'all, you don't realize how common, how, how really, we, we really got more we got more in common than you realize. Watch this. How many of y'all have ever had somebody sin against you? Raise your hand. Wait, I, I've got story after story of that, and I won't go into those. But I'm telling you, guys, the reason we talked about the cross Sunday night, Jesus showed us how to do it. The second conversation that Jesus said when he pushed up on those nails, he said, Father, forgive them. I mean, that was the first one. Father, forgive them because they don't know what they've done. They don't know what they're doing. And if Jesus could forgive David Franklin on the cross, and I've received mercy, who am I to not give mercy to everybody I come in contact with? I mean, Father, forgive them because if they're lost, they're acting like lost people, why shouldn't they talk bad about me? Why should I be offended when somebody... Who am I that I'm so special that if they did it to Jesus, I think I'm going to get treated better? 
Because I'm telling you, this idea of being a personal repenter, when you've received grace and mercy and God, the Holy Spirit, is flowing into you, then it starts making it easy to forgive other people. And let me just say this, okay? You read it throughout the Bible. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. That's the standard. I mean, anything less than that is called sin. But if you don't forgive, you turn into a cranky, codgery person full of bitterness that nobody wants to be around. I see more crippling of the people of God where they hadn't forgiven somebody else. We had a, uh, one of our young pastors who preached on forgiveness the other day and somebody came up to him and said, you know, that person over there offended me 24 years ago. This young pastor was like, what? Do they know that? I don't know. I'm sure he does. He got him to go over there and talk to that person and tell him, and that person's response was, I had no idea about that, brother. I am so sorry. For 24 years, this dude had been in bondage in prison, and the other person didn't even know he'd been offended. But guys, who are you so special that you think you're supposed to not have anybody offend you? You know, guys, sometimes people have a bad day, and I would rather them say something to me than somebody else. So when somebody says something crazy to me, I'm like, Lord, thank you that they said it to me and not somebody else. So when Kelly McDonald, I was a youth minister, she spray painted my name on the church and how bad a person I was. That hurt my feelings. I was, hold, I was a grand total of 24 years old. That hurt my feelings. I was in Kentucky. I came back. I mean, I moved to Georgia, went back one time, and she'd gotten married. She ran up to me and hugged my neck and introduced me to her husband, and she said, this is the best student minister we ever had. And I'm thinking, what? <laughs> she had completely forgotten she had done that. But, you know, I just rejoiced that God had done that work. Guys, don't tell me you can't forgive somebody. I know some of you are thinking, oh, you have no idea what somebody did to me. And my response is, I know what they did to Jesus, and he did forgiveness. And if he lives inside of you, he gives you the power to do exactly what he tells you to do. To, to not forgive, to say, I can't do it, means, oh, wait, I'm denying the fact that Jesus has the power. I've heard, growing up, I heard this story, and I was so blessed so blessed to have grown up in a strong family. My dad was the oldest of three. He had two younger sisters. And the youngest, Anne, she uh, somehow when she was born, I think they used forceps and it kind of partially paralyzed her left side. And she was eight years old and was on the playground at school in Holly Pond, Alabama, which is not a very big place. And somebody kidnapped her off the playground. It's like 1946 or 47. And uh, I remember my dad talking about him and all his guys in high school. Of course, a small town, one school. They let all the teenage boys, whoever had a truck, 
couple of, there's people had a truck. All the boys got baseball bats from the baseball bag, and they went looking like the whole town was looking. My dad said the grace of God was they didn't find him. I mean, today you think you're sending a bunch of teenage boys out like, we think that'd be crazy, but I mean, that was just the way it was. Fortunately, they found her on a dirt road, this man, before he did anything just really, really terrible. That was his intention. And my dad, I remember him telling this, said, uh, they brought the man not to the police station because Holly Pond didn't have a police station. They brought him to the principal's office of the school. And he and all his friends are standing outside, glass. And my grandfather was like 6'3", big guy. My dad said he watched his dad walk in and face the man that had kidnapped his daughter with ill intention. Said he grabbed the back of the a chair. My grandfather had boxed semi-professionally and all that kind of stuff. My dad said his, all his friends were cheering like, kill him, just kill him. So my grandfather walked away. Didn't say anything, he walked away. Man's trial came, he got convicted. My grandfather went to prison and visited him and led him to Christ. Because I'm telling you, don't tell me that God can't do it. Don't tell me that Jesus living inside of you does not give the power to forgive any single person no matter what they've done to you. And I've heard so many stories of people being sexually abused, all kind of things, talked with people whose family members have been murdered by somebody. God, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, give you the power to do what only God can do. I told you I started off working for a plumber in high school when I was 16. And I'll never forget being sent to go unstop a sewage pipe. First time. So, got to dig this trench and find out where it was. Okay, they used to have this black paper stuff that was terrible. There was this big oak tree nearby, and it had grown roots in there. Pretty fascinating. But I'm convinced that God made sure I saw that to see what does it look like when sin so entangles a person, when they won't forgive, and those roots entangle that thing, and nothing could flow through there at all. Guys, if you want to stop the flow of God into your life, you let yourself get filled with anger and bitterness and hatred and unforgiveness. It'll rob you so fast, it is unbelievable. And I know some of you are sitting there thinking, well, that's everybody else but not me. Let me tell you, I was, uh, went to France to do our retreat for our missionaries from that mission group and 67 missionaries showed up, and I was a guy that was speaking, and there I was doing Fresh Encounter. And I'd been praying, and I mean, so I'm talking, and all of a sudden, I just knew that God was in the room. And I can't describe it. It was one of those things you have to be there. You have to, and all of a sudden, God was in the room. And I was like, okay, what do I do now? 
And he said, David, they're confessing, but they're not repenting. And it was like he just said, give them a chance to repent. And several missionaries shared some things. And then the biggest guy in the room, he was 6'4", probably weighed 280. He got up, missionary. Now, he's a missionary, okay? And he started confessing that he had ought against somebody in the room. Another missionary. It was the littlest guy in the room. This guy was maybe 5'6". And he had ought against him. And here's this big guy, broken before God, and he's confessing. He asks his brother, would you please forgive me? I'm just watching. And man, I just knew that I knew God was speaking. And he was saying, don't help him out, David. Don't say a word. It was like a minute and a half of silence and the whole room was thinking what he's going to do. And all of a sudden, a missionary, he broke and let out a groan and a moan. It's hard to forgive sometimes, guys. All of a sudden, he and that guy ran to each other and they embraced and hugged each other. And I've never been in a time where I saw something like this, quite like this. But for three days, the presence of God was so thick it was like walking through fog as you walked across that retreat facility. The crazy thing was, they left that retreat, they went back, and they saw more people come to Christ in the next year than they'd seen in the previous four because now they were clean. Guys, even missionaries can get twisted. Family members can get twisted. You know, the truth is, family hurts each. It's the people that love us the most. If somebody, we don't know them, and they talk about us, who cares? But when the people that we love the most do something, sometimes they don't even know. But, but even when they know, guys, I'm telling you, if you want to rob yourself of the blessing of the joy of God, be a person that won't forgive. But I'm telling you, when you repent before God and he forgives you, it becomes the most joyful thing if you've been extending mercy to extend mercy. So I want to ask you to bow right now. And I want you to do two things. And the first one is very simply this. I want you to ask God right now, Lord, what sin is it that I need to repent of tonight? And guys, don't, don't, don't do that classic thing that we've done for so long. Lord, forgive me of all my sins. You know, name them. But just name one. Whatever God brings up in your life, Speak it to him. Confess it. And recognize that if he just said it to you, that means it's, it matters to him.
Maybe the thing that I want to ask you to do is I want you, if you were here Sunday night, but even if you weren't, I want you to just think of yourself, see yourself at the foot of the cross, looking up at Jesus' body. See the lashes where they whipped him. See the crown of thorns. But I want you to look and see blood running down from his hands and his feet. But but look, there's a there's a little trickle of blood coming down his knee. I want you to see it kind of pool up and watch it fall. And I want you to see it fall and feel it hit your forehead. That's the blood that washes away sin. And receive forgiveness. If you've asked for forgiveness, receive it. Feel that blood just hit you and you all of a sudden feel cleansing going throughout your whole body. Tell him thank you. Tell him thank you. Every time I say thank you, I always end up by saying, Lord, thank you. I love you. Now I want us to do the second half of that verse. As we forgive, forgiven people forgive. I want you to think of somebody who this year, or it may be 20, 30 years ago, did something that just hurt. They may have talked about you, but it may have been way, way worse. There may be still a wound in your heart. Would you just ask Jesus right now, Jesus, you have forgiven me with that same heart. I want to put off my heart and I want to put on your heart. Help me to forgive that person. And to forgive means you just release them of every single bit of it. Guys, when you forgive somebody, there's no promise that they're going to change behavior. There's no, there's no guarantee there's not, they're not going to do it again. But greater is he that is in you 
He gives you the power to do something. So if your heavenly father brought somebody to mind, he's calling you tonight. Forgive them. Release them of the hurt, of the pain. Release them. Because I tell you, one of the ways that you can tell that when you've fully forgiven, now you pray for them and ask God to bless them. just sense that there's a group of people I'm supposed to say something to that I hadn't thought about till just now. Years and years ago, I was struggling trying to walk with God. I was saying, God, show me, show me what's my hindrance. Show me what the blockage is. Where is the pipe from heaven blocked I told you I'd become a prodigal and done a bunch of stuff and when I went back tried to find everybody I could to ask their forgiveness and told you I drove 400 miles to ask forgiveness from somebody but I knew there was something left something else missing I got up in the service one night and went to the prayer room and God showed me that when I was 16 and we moved, I knew that it was God's will for my dad to move and take this job. And I got mad at God and had walked for years without knowing that. I just wonder if there's somebody in the room that something happened to you. Maybe the death of a child or parent, spouse or something deep down you got mad at God I had to come to grips that God my father really does love me I live in a fallen world I've dealt with this guy with a special needs daughter somehow some way God, would you be glorified? But I've talked to a bunch of people that used to be like me where I got mad at God. And if you've harbored anger in your heart against God, tonight's a good night to let it go. We're going to close the service tonight, but let me encourage you to do this. If there's somebody in the room that you've got ought against, 
don't leave until you've talked with them. If the person's not in the room, you may want to call them on the way home. If we're going to spiritually flourish, we've got to be clean. We can't have broken relationships. We've got to let God help us to forgive each other as Christ has forgiven us. Father, this is your time. These are your people. Lord, I pray that the word of God will be implanted in hearts and minds and grow richly. Deep roots. It's evident that that's already been happening here. God, may this church go to a level that it's never been. Lord, the testimony of this church. Covenant County is waiting for one group of people to love each other well. To love each other well. May it happen at Hopewell where there's not a single broken relationship. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. David, is there a song you want to sing?